Hi, welcome to season 12. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. And we're exploring uh, a news item that uh, is seeming to, to gain more popularity that uh, Pfizer announced that they'd be reducing their sales force. And that got us thinking, well, what is the implications of that? And how does that maybe even bring sales and marketing closer together in a very different role that um, commercialization of the organization? So uh, we're gonna go deeper into this. Sean, do you wanna kick us off with uh, some brilliant thoughts? Uh, well, I don't know if I have any brilliant <laughs> thoughts, but I'll, I'll kick us off anyway and see how that, that works out. Um, what we wanna talk about today, what I'd like to, to kick around today is segmentation. Obviously, this is a, a standard topic of marketing. We're very used to segmenting customers and markets. And anyone that's listened to us for any period of time will know that we're pretty strong advocates of that whole approach of, of needs-based segmentation. I think in this new reality, this new world where we're, we're, we're doing calls on Zoom, we're having different interactions with customers, it creates the opportunity to turn that segmentation inward and to segment ourselves. And I think there's two broad topics this I'm going to throw out to you guys. I think the first one is how we segment our salespeople from a, a developmental. You know, the skill sets have changed that what makes a good salesperson. How can we use segmentation to identify the behaviors and the characteristics to, to put our salespeople into certain segments? And the second part of that is how do we then match those segments to the right customer? Can we start to, rather than think in terms of territory, think in terms of capability? But it all starts off with this, this segmenting our, our salespeople. And I don't mean a forced ranking, this guy is good, mm -hmm. this person's really bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you get it nuanced so you can say these are the characteristics of this salesperson and these are the characteristics of the other? And the final thing I'll say before I lob it back over the fence for, for your own brilliant thoughts is this. When we talk of segmentation, we, we don't talk about it good versus bad customers or good versus bad prospects. We talk about different prospects. You know, the, the, they can all be good, but they're good in different ways. They have different needs. And that's the mindset with the Salesforce. This is not about ranking them good to worst or, 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 or best to worst. This is about understanding the salespeople in a level that we probably haven't done before. So that, that's the... Uh, the not so brilliant thoughts. So I'll love it back over the fence for one of you guys to pick up and run with. Well, if I could, I, I know that Mary, Mary, I know I've heard you talk about segmenting the sales force, especially in a situation where you're trying to really energize a segmentation approach. And I know you, you talk about a third, a third, a third. I'd really love for you to talk about that. What I just wanted to tee up a little bit is just Sean, um, one additional sort of background thing, and that is, and we mentioned it last time, but just to, to kind of thread it through. This idea of more virtual sales calls is going to allow marketing, obviously, to be more involved with sales, on sales calls, viewing them live or, 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 or recorded. Look, in the past, segmentation's problem has been uh, the reason that most companies aren't like executing needs-based segmentation. It's been an internal problem, right? Companies that can execute needs-based segmentation. Customers love it. Their results go up. So why isn't everybody doing it? It's because there's this divide between the theory that marketing often comes up with. This is how the market segments. 
and the practice where the sales force says, well, you get into customers, you can't really bucket them, you don't really know, the segments are wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We, we believe that with marketing being more involved, there's it's just this opportunity to, for the two functions to work together for marketing to be able to say maybe post-sales call or after reviewing one, no, no, see, this is what we meant. <laughs> this was actually a really great example of this person being in this segment. And you know maybe this is how we can make that more clear in the future in terms of what questions you can ask so that the sales force can be more definitive about what segment somebody's in and what pathway to then take in terms of the messaging and, and, and the value proposition. So, so th this is just like, it's like a huge opportunity to, to, to erase that divide, but still it's gotta be started up again, right? I mean, we've gotta start, we gotta get it going. And I think Mary, your thoughts about, you know, which sales reps maybe to work with at the beginning of getting this a momentum going around segmentation. I think that that is, that is really a good, that is one aspect of segmenting sales reps. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. We know that, that uh, typically when salespeople are involved in the process, it's much better, but there are times where the, it's not. And that's because the wrong people were invited to the party. So, so to Tom's point is, is that, you know, we like to think of uh, with the salespeople, we kind of keep it simple, but, and it can translate to other parts of the organization. Uh, what Tom was saying about a third, a third, a third is there's a third of your salespeople that are really excited about new things that are coming through the organization. They're willing to try them. They, they look for ways to make it right and work. Um, at the other end of the spectrum is the other third that says pretty much this will pass. Also, we've seen a million different initiatives and I need to get my stuff done and they pretty much sabotage it or at a minimum ignore it. So you can see how dangerous if you're trying to do a pilot or develop something new, having that, that last third over there can really mess up the plan. The middle, by the way, the middle third, they're just watching to see which of those two are right and <laughs> they'll go with, with whichever one. So it's really important in, in any type of initiatives and when you're trying to segment an organization to invite that first third of the salespeople in and just tell the two other thirds, not yet, let us figure this out. Um, and hopefully that is a good mix of, as Sean was saying, there are a good mix of very great salespeople, but they have very different approaches and you know, maybe even they're gonna to appeal to different types of segments. Um, and that is part of a, a bigger thought of employee segmentation. So you know, everyone has needs and the trick to any type of really good segmentation is understanding those needs um, and then bucketing them so that you understand this group wants this, you know, they're very technical, this group, they just want to be very personal and um, they don't get into the details as much. And this group, you know, might, uh, might want to invent new things. So very different needs. Um, and how do you think about that differently? And I suppose with, when we think of cost, customer segmentation, we're very much focused on needs. The, the, the needs for salespeople tend to be quite homogenous in as much as they all want to sell, hit their quotas, hit their targets, right? That's their fundamental need. Their preferred method of doing that obviously is what varies. Some people 
um, if, if you go deeper, if you go into the why is that important chain that we talk about in segmentation, you could find some people say, because I, I, I want them to like me. That's important to them. I want them not, not as an ulterior motive, but as a fundamental driver. It might be they want to demonstrate their brilliance. It's important because I want to appear to be expert at what I'm talking about. I want to be that subject matter expert. Some people just care about others and want to understand the customer, not again as a, as a, as a technique to sell them something, but to truly get under the skin to find out. And it's those sort of, I guess you'd call them deeper level needs or maybe even behavioral. And that might be one area where segmenting salespeople is slightly different from customers because the broad need is, is, is pretty similar and it's somehow the behavior or the approach that, that would vary. I don't know, what do you guys think? Well, you know, Sean, I thought you said something really brilliant because Mary asked you to in the opening. Should I get um, my coat now? Because I'm only allowed one brilliant episode. Uh, you're, 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 you've got your quota. You said about how this, this you know, more the, the increase in virtual sales kind of makes the idea of geographic territories less important, right? And um, as a person that likes simplification, because I think that's how segmentation works best, if the, the, the segmentation is simple, I'm, a, I'm not as uh, eager to have a Salesforce segmentation and a customer segmentation, other than how Mary's talking about it, you know, get the right salespeople to start, you know who they are, get them involved in gaining momentum for the program. What I'm more of an advocate of is working with the sales force to create those needs-based segments. And then perhaps the way to line the sales force up with different segments is which ones do they match with in personality, in um, you know, approach, in background. If you've got you know, like an innovator segment, maybe there's some people in your sales force that are just particularly effective in that kind of situation for whatever reason, again, background, personality, whatever. And so what I love about this opportunity to sort of revitalize needs-based segmentation is it's a great way to not only meet more needs of your customers, but to really get your sales force sort of aligned into sales situations where they're going to be more effective, just more naturally lined up with the different segments that are created because geography is less important. But doesn't that require that we do some form of Salesforce segmentation? Because as you were saying, they may have a bent for innovation. Mm -hmm. They may like new ideas. They may be technically minded. They may be personable. Yeah. But we, and and it, it seemed like we were saying, and we'll know that, you know, Fred is quite personable. Jane is really technical. Bill is into the innovation. Rather than just sort of intuitively knowing that, there should be a way that we can actually say with ourselves, this is why I think internal segmentation, for want of a better word, is important. Because how do we arrive at that that that? if you like classification of what the salespeople's personality is, you know, you can use the same tools, but, but look at them rather than just saying, Oh, everyone knows that Fred likes this, you know, that's, that's use some rigor and match those people with the right profile, the salespeople with the right profile to the customers for maximum 
effect. And I think you need to, to do both. I don't think it's uh, one or the other. I, what I love about this idea of the lines being blurred internally is that if you do have a customer segment that let's say is um, more of an economic buyer, or at least they have an economic bent that they want to understand the, the numbers, it's a lot easier to bring somebody from your company that, you know, your CFO or somebody in finance into that sales call to help explain how the total value is, you know, is, is a better deal for them. Or somebody that's very medically minded. Now you can grab somebody from, you know, medical affairs or, you know, one of, one of the people that are medical on your staff to be part of that sales call. So you, you actually can serve the customer segments better by not only aligning the personalities, but the skill sets across your whole organization. So it's, it's a nice opportunity for companies. And we have seen it done kind of um, in some instances, but I think as, as both Tom and Sean is saying is, is now you can actually systematize it. You can have a program that says for these types of customers, these are the types of um, salespeople segments that we want to align and the other parts of our organization that need to align. Sometimes you have to have the CFO or CEO involved because that segment is important. I think that's a really, really important point, Mary, isn't it? That, that in this world of virtual sales calls, um, where we, we look at each other on a screen more often than we certainly used to, is that idea not only can we do away with the concept of territories, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a geographical location. You, you could speak to anyone if you're the right person to have that conversation. But I think what you said is really important, too. It's it's it doesn't cost any more in in significant terms to have two or three people on a sales call or, or somebody on one sales call, somebody from technical services on another sales call, somebody from finance to, to bring the whole team together to address the needs of the customer and actually having that ability you never had before because you couldn't put three people on a plane you know that that would take some convincing but for the sake of a of a video call it makes perfect sense we've got to start rethinking that whole sales approach you don't have to be everything an all-encompassing expert as a salesperson you can bring in that that bring people off the bench when it's relevant i think that's a really it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for everyone that takes advantage of it. It's removing the barrier of time and space from the actual act of, of sales. It's, you know, there's no longer, I mean, I think we, we, we probably mentioned it in the first episode, marketers can no longer make the excuse that they can't be involved with sales because they can't be out of the office, right? They got to do their marketing work. This, this makes it up. But Sean, what you're alluding to is this, you know, provides that opportunity for everybody cross-functionally, you know, who needs to be there can be there without having to leave the office. You know, that used to be, I don't know, better part of a half day if it was a local sales call. And if you had to get on a plane, that was the whole day, right? Exactly, exactly and right. So, and I know, think that's where we have to start thinking of the types of skills, behaviors, and abilities that we, that we want to classify or segment within our own team with this internal look because you know you might want somebody from finance there but I certainly have personal experience I'm sure you guys too there are certain people in the finance department I wouldn't put anywhere near a customer uh, there are people from the risk department that I, I wouldn't let breathe the customer's name they would they would just have a negative effect but there are others 
because we have these stereotypes of, of what makes a finance person, a rich person, a technical person, of course, it's as the, as the law of segmentation tells us, it's many and varied around a common theme. They might all be in finance, but some people have a, 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 a natural understanding of how to construct a deal, how to um, build value, how to identify opportunity in addition to their technical skills in finance, you know, and finding those people. So we've almost got to start thinking of what are those characteristics that we that we look for that we want to benchmark against and it adds a whole new dimension to traditional competency modeling competency modeling used to be can you do this have you had training in that uh, now we can start to add a lot of nuance into putting this salesperson with this finance person for this customer is the magic formula and that's where the analytics the marketing skill set the 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 uh, it's a whole new world of, of opportunity. And I think it starts with saying, what do we need to start to measure? How do we start? And, and Sean, we, we talk about marketers as being the orchestrators of strategy. I mean, I think this is, I think this is a big, a job for marketers, right? This, this connection, this orchestration of that, figuring that out, that, that perfect combination, cross-functional combination. I think they, you know, who's, who's going to take on that job? Um, well, as long as, you know, marketing is helping the sales force out by kind of leading the segmentation, of course, working very closely with sales. I mean, why not just kind of continue to take it down the road a ways, right? For this segment, um, these, you know, these are the functional areas that are important to cl clients in this segment to have represented on a call, and go even further, these are the couple of people in finance or medical, whatever department that are particularly good in this situation. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a job for marketing. It's you know, interesting is, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been with Impact over 20 years. And when I first came in, that was a big discussion is the marketer as the orchestrator. You know, they don't have to play the trombone and, you know, and the and the sacks, but they need to know when to call in the different parts to make it all work. And it's, you know, it's interesting over the past 20 years, we've seen that in different variations. But now, I mean, just as you guys are saying, there's more opportunity than ever. And by the way, there's data. I mean, if you really want to be a nerd about this, you can actually through your, you can systematize it because you can gather data about those relationships and what's needed, the competencies that that are there and, and maybe need to be enhanced too. You know, you may not have a perfect orchestra to start with. So you need to, you need to improve in some of the gap areas to make your system work real well. But it is a really cool time to be in marketing and sales and, and to have this new opportunity. Well, let's, let's remember also that this is a classic case of, of driven by opportunity. We've all been through a, a heck of a two years. It's changed the way that we work, the way that we interact. And this is, the root cause of this opportunity may always have existed to some extent, but now it's, it's, it's massively available to, to use your internal resources more effectively to understand the right mix. And because it's such a new opportunity, there's still a lot of first mover advantage out there. If your business wants to take advantage of this, now is the time to do it, to double down and say, 
We talk to customers virtually. Territories are gone. We can bring more people into the sales meeting. We can review. We can collaborate. All this has been, has been multiplied by a factor of 10, given what's happened, because now so much is digital and virtual. And everyone has the same opportunity. And as with all opportunities, it will be the very few that really grasp it and take it. And that's, that's the prize that's out there. Yeah. Good. Well, we, um, we hope that you've enjoyed this, this podcast. Um, and we, we do get people uh, commenting and we appreciate it because we're always trying to look for new ways to look at something. So please keep sending us your comments. And uh, if you like this, we have a lot of other podcasts as well. So thank you very much. Thank you.